Hi there, and welcome back to the Equipoise Podcast, the place where in 10 minutes or less we try to tackle a topic of discussion over which there might be some disagreement or controversy in the modern church. Today we're going to be talking about the Forbidden Isles. The Forbidden Isles. Not Isles like the British Isles, but Isles like Grocery Isles. Um, so, the, so there are some Forbidden Isles known to many in my denominational tradition. The Wine Isle, the Magazine Isle, um, the Movie Isle, uh, maybe even some sections of the Refrigerated Food Isle. <laughs> you know, because, well, beer. Um, why, you say, are these forbidden? Is it out of concern for the recovering alcoholic um, that the beer and wine aisles are forbidden? Is it out of concern for a brother who struggles with controlling his eyes that we don't want him in the magazine aisle or maybe the movie aisle? No, no, my friends, it's because of the appearance of evil. Maybe you grew up hearing this a lot. Abstain from all appearance of evil. It's a reference to a verse in Paul's letter uh, to the church at Thessalonica, specifically 1 Thessalonians 5.22. Paul is giving some final instructions as he's winding down toward the end of his letter, and he gives what appear to be a few rapid-fire commands. Rejoice evermore. Don't stop praying. Give thanks in everything. Don't quench the spirit. Don't disesteem God's message. Disesteem God's message. Put everything to the test. Keep what's good. And then there's the verse. Abstain from all appearance of evil. You know, notice I didn't paraphrase that one because we're going we're gonna to try to tackle that here. And then Paul begins to close the letter. So let's jump right in. What does this phrase, abstain from all appearance of evil, mean? I submit to you that it might not mean what many of our faith upbringings taught us that it meant. I think when we take a look at the context and syntax of this verse equally, we'll see that it has more to do with rejecting false doctrine than walking on eggshells in the grocery store. To be fair... The Greek word used here for appearance, eidos, is also used in 2 Corinthians and is there translated as sight. It's also translated in John 20, verse 8, as saw. So I can see where one might come away from this verse as meaning stay away from anything that looks evil or even stay away from anything that could be seen as evil. Fair enough. But there's a couple other ways this word eidos is used. In John 5:37 and Luke 3:22, this word is translated as shape. And in Luke 9.29, it's translated into the English word fashion. That's because this word eidos don't, it doesn't just mean appearance in, in that, you know, something looks a certain way. It's talking about how something appears or manifests, you see. Um, my phone appears as a rectangle. Uh, the Holy Spirit appeared as a dove. Or one might even say he appeared out of nowhere, you see. Um, so anyhow... How then do we know how to understand this word eidos used here in 1 Thessalonians 5.22? Um, what can we do to ascertain how this word ought to be understood? That's where context comes in. So first, I'll come right out of the gates and say that I think that this section of instruction in Paul's letter is actually harmed by the verse divisions that are present. I think that about a lot of sections of scripture is going to be okay. And in case you're concerned about this, please understand that the verse divisions, while often helpful to us, were added in the 16th century by a guy named William Whittingham. Now, there's not a lick of inspiration in the verse divisions. Um, in fact, it was just a few years later, if I remember correctly, that the Geneva Bible was published. And um, Yes, yeah, 1560, I think it was, the Geneva Bible was published, and that was the first Bible with chapter and verse divisions. So, uh, right here, let's see, in the 
Yes, yes, yes. In my notes here, first in in First Thessalonians five, the verse divisions make it look like Paul is just giving out some random, unrelated edifications. But some of these verses are very obviously connected. Together, verses nineteen through twenty-two form a matrix, if you will, of instruction geared specifically to doctrine offered by people who claim to be prophets. Right. In fact, some older manuscripts even have the word "but" in front of "prove all things." With this in mind, I recommend that one should read this as a more connected flow of thought, verses 19 through 22. Um, It might sound like, don't quench the spirit. Instead, or but, listen to the prophesying. And as you listen to the prophesying, uh, make sure it passes the litmus test of truly being from God. Hold on to that which passes the test as good and... There it is at the end, abstain from all idols of evil. So with the context and flow in mind, how do you think we should understand that phrase, uh, appearance of evil? I submit to you that this should be properly understood as any form or fashion or evidence of evil. In fact, it may be helpful to consider how some modern translations phrase it. Uh, The ESV, for instance, says, abstain from every form of evil. Eugene Peterson, like many others, wisely translates this section as a single unit, verses 19 through 22, and he phrases it, throw out anything tainted with evil, in his translation, the message. In the end, when one considers the context, one can see that it's all about being careful when listening to doctrine. This passage is speaking of embracing good theology and throwing out bad theology. Ultimately, Paul is teaching his beloved church to be wise, When someone shows up and says they have a word from God, listen well and make sure it's good. Don't be gullible, but be wise and balanced in your approach to people who are prophesying. Eat the meat and spit out the bones, in other words. But as we've seen, if you take these verses, you know, as isolated little statements or just little reminders that one can jot down on a post-it note before leaving for work, they become really, really easy to take out of context and come to an imbalanced conclusion. So in the last couple of minutes here, um, I think it's important that we uh, talk about the two extremes that can come, extremes that can come from um, an improper understanding of this verse. I am, I am persuaded that the command to abstain from all appearance of evil is, is, is in a verse that needs to be reapproached from a balanced perspective, right? So there's two views. First, there's the walk on eggshells view. Everyone's watching. You're a representative of Christ, so walk on eggshells so as not to offend or give an appearance of evil. The other view is, I have liberty, and there's no reason not to do this or go there or do that. The verse doesn't mean anything about appearance of evil, so I'm just going to live my life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what that sound was, but <laughs> let's see what we can see. So addressing the first extreme, right? The well-intentioned but woefully misinformed view of don't do anything or go anywhere that could possibly be misconstrued as evil um, would necessitate us to be extremely careful of everything we do since we don't want the appearance of evil. That is, we wouldn't want anyone to think that we're up to no good. So a good a good example of this from my, my own denominational upbringing would be the beer or wine aisle, right? Don't go down the beer aisle, even though soda's on the other, end of the, uh, on the other side of the aisle, right? Uh, because that has the appearance of evil. And don't grab that recipe magazine for your wife from the checkout line because that too has the appearance of evil. Somebody might think you're grabbing another magazine of the lesser kind, right? And certainly don't pick up your friend from the bus stop in front of the bar since that is the appearance of evil. Somebody might think you're, well, going into a bar. Problem is, as we've just seen from our quick examination of the text above, this isn't what this verse means at all. You can't get such principles from a reading of Paul's word in 1 Thessalonians 5.22. And there's a few problems with it, right? If this verse means to live in such a way that no one can think you're doing something wrong, then Jesus didn't certainly seem to be too keen on this idea, right? 
He was accused of being a glutton and a wine-bibber because of his association. Um, there, I got more here, but we're going to kind of skip it, right? Jesus associated with people who were considered bad for somebody's reputation. And before you say, well, that was Jesus, I feel compelled to ask, then how are we supposed to be different? Aren't we supposed to be like him from the cradle to the cross? Also this, I'm not a very good Christian if I walk down the magazine aisle or something and, and the first thing someone thinks is that I'm headed there to feed an addiction. Either that's their problem in assuming the worst or my problem in my reputation. Uh, let's see. I'm going to skip some more because we've got like one minute left. Let's just jump right to the other extreme, right? Um, being libertine in our associations or practices or habits. There is some reality to the notion that what we do can affect others. Paul talked about this in his letter to the Corinthians, right? Um, the Jews had been practicing strict dietary laws, rituals, calendar observations, feast dates, and more for millennia. Now, all of a sudden, this guy comes on the scene named Jesus, and he changes everything up on its head. Now, Paul explained that Jesus fulfills all of these things, um, but there were still some folks who had a hard time with the liberty that came with following Jesus. Some Gentiles would be drawn back in their old lives. Some Jews might be stumbled out of confusion. Um, so Paul was like, hey, I'm going to be careful with what I do. So as not to cause somebody to, you know, trip up. So what do we do? Abstain from all appearance of evil and never enjoy a bottle of Martinelli sparkling cider? Um, no, I don't think that's balanced. But I also don't think we can run to the other extreme and say, I don't care what people think, I'm free in Christ. Well, try to remember that there are people watching, right? But in the end, I think we've got much, much bigger fish to fry than worrying about going down the, the aisle, the checkout aisle that sells cigarettes because we're worried about what somebody might think. Um, it's just not something we want to get bogged down in. I encourage us to stay balanced. So, <laughs> that leads right to my tagline. Until next time, stay balanced. <laughs>